Yo. What's good? Uh, just, uh, you know, doing 9-11. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, 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 is that, I didn't realize George W. Bush is on the phone call, phone call with me today. <laughs> He's on the phone call. Uh, I'm just, uh, you're just, you're just, you're George W. Bush today, so. Hell yeah, I love that. Um, Do you know that the, the W is just uh, the Twin Towers knocked over in both <laughs> ways? Yes, Absolutely. Just like the uh, the N and him and M is concept detonator. That's one hundred percent, one hundred percent the vibe. Uh, how are you, man? Oh, you know, I'm doing pretty, pretty good. Pretty decent. Pretty decent. Uh, yeah, pretty decent. Pretty decent. Uh, oh. You know, uh, absolutely calling the Robin Hood app Rolling Stone from now on. It's one hundred percent the best dream I've had in a while. Like, I. I uh, I, I just like I absolutely like imagine my lady Goo Goo Gaga uncle being like, "What's that uh, trading app the kids are using? It's like, oh, Rolling Stone? <laughs> What's that fucking condom style fucking song that these kids are listening to? <laughs> inventing a guy, inventing a guy from who who still thinks the most popular song in the world is Gangnam Style ten years later, and uses that as a fucking way to talk about the youth." Uh, Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, just, just imagining like uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't actually know what Gangnam Style guy looks like. Um, I should probably look up a picture of him, but yeah, just imagining the the, the meme of him. This is fucking what the fuck's his name? Sai. <laughs> yeah, this is Sai now. You feel old yet, brother? <laughs> but I don't even know what the fucking picture is. I don't know. Uh, in, inventing memes in your head on the fly uh, as noble and enterprises inventing guys which is also yeah. a thing. gotta um, invent guys I love inventing guys this is a podcast where we invent guys pretty exclusively so uh, Speaking of which, welcome everybody. Uh, it's Master Shake Theater, the Aqua Teen podcast. Um, we want to give a shout out to the other Aqua Teen podcast, Dancing is Forbidden, because we haven't done that in a while. We love them. Um, full, fully complimentary to us. Uh, listen to them too. Fuck with them uh, if you have room in your diet for two Aqua Teen podcasts. Um, today we are talking about season three, episode two. Um, we are now in season three. Uh, we've made it this far. Or somehow still doing this you have to imagine sisyphus smiling right uh that's the entire thing with any of these shows uh but it appears this season's going to be pretty good and this episode is called unremarkable voyage uh this aired may 9th 2004 and in this episode when meatwad eats an important microchip frylock must shrink himself down in order to retrieve it so I, I I read this description before um, before you did today, and I I like I almost threw my computer out the window because I'm like that's not what 
I mean, it not, is what happens, more or less. But like, but the the wikis on these, I think that so so the wikis on these are also the ones that um that happen in the show notes on the HBO app. Uh, uh, and and I think that the I think that the writers are writing these wikis badly as like a cheeky bit. Okay, only have to imagine that that's what's going on, because um, it's just it's gotten to the point where it's cartoonish, right? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely cartoonish, but it's it's good. I mean, yeah, they're fun. Very good. Um, it would be nerdy if they like actually described the episode with any sort of uh, you know acuity. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, uh, I love any of the episodes of any Adult Swim show where the premise is something parodying like a any sort of mid-century like classic cultural like can, canon text right like, right I, I think that that's one of the best premises for the uh, for the writers to to like really be in their element with and so I, I was like oh when I realized that that's what this episode was I was like oh that's a real treat um and I I, I don't think that I think that this episode actually I I believe I want to say that video Ouija it was sort of the end point of my my streak that lasted like most of season two of like watching the show in real time. I literally think that like, yeah, in, in May of 04 is right around when I like got super, super busy with social stuff and have literally been busy ever since. <laughs> so like I stopped watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I never really watched the show in, in real time. It was like mostly mostly watched on on couches of friends yep. who had dvd players and the dvds and uh yeah like i i'm trying to think of like i mean I, I certainly saw some of the episodes in real time i mean i would go over to ji's house and yeah have a vanilla coke and then uh <laughs> and more. And watch um. watch, uh, watch watch this shit but but yeah like i i it's it is it is weird to think like yeah the, the show is like not it's kind of like uh unstuck in time for me which is which is a fun way to watch it yeah no it's not it's it, much like a lot of the things from this era like it it fell into a decade plus of just wolf nap core right where it was yes. just like stuff that stuff that was on in the background where you when you were you know hanging out uh killing time in a way that you only can in your teens and early 20s with your homies and like probably like napping in the same room, which is what wolf napping is, by the way, for the listeners who weren't like totally dialed in on the, you know, the 20 year yes. old, um, a wolf nap, an important concept where you and the a wolf nap was good. I, yeah. I loved doing a wolf nap. Uh, I remember a, a, a real good wolf nap with you, me and, uh, and uh, Will Kiley and uh, shit was great, man. Yeah. Well, and then there was a there was a fam famous wolf nap with Yumi and uh, BJ Coney as well. Uh, <laughs> Coney yeah. twenty twelve in your in in like your fucking like side house in your like <laughs> secondary living room, uh, <laughs> which is fantastic. Um, yeah. yeah, wolf naps they're good to have. Uh, I love the. I love that this, like, the, I don't know how long they're going to go on, but right now it's, it, it appears that the Space Kataz cold opens are, like, the new the new cold open. Um, yes. And I think it's great because it's a chance, I think it's a really brilliant 
power move on the part of I said power move or like burped. That was really fun. Uh, <laughs> power move on the part of the writers, <laughs> where they, they uh, you know it's a chance to play more jazz with the Moon Knights and Emery and Oglethorpe, who are really good characters. Um, and I think it's like a it's a really fun opportunity for the you know the for us to get a little more face time with them. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree. I'm like excited about where this is going. Um, having either not remembering this being a thing uh because of because of wolfnap culture uh or just seeing it for the first time i'm not sure um but yeah i i uh i i agree i think it was like super smart to move to this um and and i i think it's the first time we've seen those characters interface like i mean other than the the previous season or previous episode um directly uh but maybe i'm wrong about that I'm trying to think yeah, if they're in I that if they're in that villain that villain brunch episode yeah i think they are and i i, I think that there's like at least an implied if not an, at least an implicit if not an explicit like rivalry between them that's established early on but this mm -hmm. just drives this drives that headcanon uh into the you know into the, in the ground in a good way like you're you know planting a flag <laughs> yeah me trying to me trying to chase the, the metaphor after i misuse it uh <laughs> <laughs> fucking good stuff cope the ultimate cope um there are some really good uh lines from both sets in this little cold open uh crammed up your buttocks biznatch uh it was a terrible oglethorpe but i don't give a fuck um i can't do it i think i can't do a good oglethorpe because i do a good arnold i think it's a it's much like it's impossible to both do a good meatwad and a good carl i think mm -hmm. it's impossible to do a good oglethorpe and a good arnold um and then uh, it's like oh, it's like how you can't sing the the star wars theme and the indiana jones theme uh uh back to back you know yes. really it fucks your brain up can i just say that being a a core cohort millennial um who grew up with the early edgelord internet and the entire discourse that came around that like sort of like 2004 lunchroom discourse it's oddly germane to the time frame we're talking about anyway i can never for the rest of my life hear about indiana jones <clears throat> without thinking about in diana jones and the temple of poon which is the porn parody of that movie that joe would talk about every fucking chance he got in high school um so, you know do you know how joe is like our job joe was back in high school sort, sort of still is now to an extent how like he just bring this brings this he's very lady goo goo gaga culture actually just yeah, like, yeah. brings the same joke up as many times as possible <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, like, you know there's a porn there's a porn movie <laughs> a porn movie <laughs> a, por a porn picture of girls licking dicks uh a porn movie called uh, in diana jones and the temple of Poon. <laughs> yeah that's a vibe um it's just it is i mean if that if that is true because i've never actually looked into it um if that is true it's the most perfect porn movie name of all time <laughs> so, um uh and uh obviously ignacht saying uh open the fly to your sunshine is a really really good good line too um so i like episodes and i feel like it's a thing that they're i feel like they're starting to really lean in on and solidify as a theme which is like frylock being like the tortured genius trapped around stupid and chaotic people and caught in their undertow and sort yeah. of like having his genius be de 
deeply discounted and compromised by that, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's like it kind of feels like the yeah it's a, a pretty normal setup at least. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I like I think that some of the best episodes are episodes where that theme gets used. Like I think it's sort of in a way like the 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 premise that summarizes like the the purpose and the thrust of the show the best. Um, and I actually do think it's like I was thinking about this. I do think it's a pretty common trope in the 1990s and 2000s, right? The the sort of uh, you know tortured tortured genius, um, you know, having to share share space and break bread with the the hapless idiot or silly mm-hmm. idiots. Uh, and, and, you know, there's sometimes even being, you know, levels to it in this sort of, you know, buddy, buddy, complimentary and chaotic relationship, um, developing. I, yeah. I, I, I actually like, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about this. Cause like, I, I think, I think you're right. There's a lot of shows that are similar that have a similar setup, um, like, I mean, I'm trying to think of like stuff right off the top of my head. Um, well, I mean, yeah, like I, I think many things are. It's it's like a variation of like the the um, what, what like the, the the straight man and the and the foil yeah um, exactly. type thing. But I, I also think it's like indicative of like a interesting turn in male culture, like where you have a lot of like, like, I, I think there was sort of like a breakdown of some kind of social barrier at some point in the previous, you know, 30 or 40 years where there was a lot more like, you know, uh, different, like, like people with different levels of education or like, um, or, or, or different, like, I don't know, I, I don't want to use the word like intelligence, but I guess that's kind of what it is here is like, it is th- th- like just, just kind of hanging out because it's like, it's just like not required for your social life for that to be a thing. Um, so you can have like, you know, people that are extremely accomplished academically um, hanging out with just like hardcore bros. Uh, and I, I feel like that's like a relatively new phenomenon in the last like 50 years, but yeah. Um, but I, I don't really have any evidence to go on there. Like other than I'm just thinking of like movies from like, the previous time period where where that would not be a thing at all there would not be any any like mixing uh socially in that sense i think you're pulling out a really interesting thread here because i'm thinking about it and like yeah that was a core part of like the sort of you know voluntary association outside of you know the outside of the parameters of you know whatever social and civic infrastructure existed in the post-war era like as that sort of as that infrastructure rotted out, you know, as the, in the Robert Putnam thesis, whatever you want to say, like as the you know institutional decay happened, uh, yeah. social structure fell apart. The guardrails came out too, right? And people were able to, you know, that as as a result of that, you know, other symptoms of modernity, we were we were able to, you know, start uh, start sharing um, social space with you know people who weren't in whatever uh, in crowd had been foisted on us by, you know, society or ourselves. And I do think there's a, that, that there's fundamentally a really idyllic, uh, that's, that's a really idyllic thing. And I, I, I worry, I worry that we're getting away from it now. 
like that we're like re oh because like the like we're re-politicizing every behavior yes, yes yeah. exactly um i worry that like i i worry that our gen that's one of the few i think that's one of the few uh, uh good sort of like big w's that are uh you know besides w bush uh that that our generation actually got was that we were like one maybe the not the last generation but a, a generation to to have that sort of you know emphasis on you know hanging out with whoever if they're if you have anything in common with them even space yeah um, these, sort yeah. Of, these sort of platonic situationships uh not to call them that but like the these these friendships that are based on you know just being in the same place as somebody and having significant overlap of just like daily activity that's I don't I feel like that's just the world is way less meat space than it's ever been in general because everybody is you know so online and or alienated that 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 those kinds of free associations end up uh suffering because of that so that's in the context of today that's a really interesting thing to, to look at um really good yeah. examples in the in the like movie and in the movie media of, of that specific thing are like tommy boy Orange County, which is a great movie that I oh, watched yeah, yeah. recently that super fucking holds up. Um, obviously, that's Brothers, so that's a little different. But then, like, also, like, Goodwill Hunting, right? Like, something that right. is, that has that's happening in multiple levels in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's true. Like, yeah, there's... I feel like there's certainly... Like, yeah, there's definitely something there. Like, I, I always, like, wonder just because of the specific demographics of our hometown, if there is like something like unique about it. But I mean, that's gotta be the case in like lots of other similar, similarly situated places, like where, where there's a, you know, like a, a somewhat large big city, a academic institution and rural and, and, and whatever, whatever's remaining of um, family farming, um, which, yeah. God knows it's not much. Um, no, definitely not. <laughs> it's I, I, yeah. I mean, I do think that there's probably like a cutoff, right? Because I do feel like I talk to people who came up in like suburbia proper, uh, and not whatever sort of like liminal zone between small town and suburbia that we came up in, and they did talk about like having having stronger and brighter class striations, right? And like yeah. having the, having their you know having their schools be, you know, kind of more socioeconomic echo chambers, right? Whereas like the school system that we came up in was a, was a socioeconomic everything bagel. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, I do think it caused, a, you know, a lot of really beautiful and sometimes very tragic um, socioeconomic cross-pollination, right? Because like on one hand you had like, you know, the, like a weirdo like me uh, had like, you know, was, was able to be like, you know, the fun, fun, goofy mascot for all the jocks and like we loved each other. But then you also had like, you know, the unfortunate um, interactions of like, you know, the, the tough, the tough kids interacting with the jocks and like introducing them to drugs that they wouldn't have been, been introduced to otherwise. And like a lot of bad shit happening because of that. And then sure. like, um, the cross pollination of like jocks and the tough lifestyle and like jocks being disproportionately like rough and tough things like that right it's just it's fun I, I think overall it's a net it's a net good because I think that like we've talked about a lot before I think that like a big part of the richness of the human experience comes from 
breaking bread with people who you disagree with and look and talk and act different from <laughs> like it's still something that for like for as you know weird as I am it's I very much still believe in and try to do whenever possible and I, I think that having these organic situations that facilitate that is a, a thing that we should uh we should treasure hell yeah uh, um and you think about this actual damn episode <laughs> yes uh a couple more things i just i think that like i think it's like an actual fucking uh i think it's a pretty good episode like i i think we're on a good we're on a good tear here i, I yeah. have a funny feeling that like there's gonna be a good run of episodes after this there's a <laughs> i shake really made me slap my knee a couple times here um you should own toys they're fun <laughs> <laughs> and then immediately into make my Johnson bigger, which is obviously foreshadowing. But right, uh, right. getting to hear Shake say the word Johnson is is peak. <laughs> I love it a lot. Um, the conversation Johnson, Johnson is like very much tied to that. Like I feel like it's very tied to like like that like nineteen ninety eight to to two thousand four. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's not, but um i mean it features so prominently in the big lebowski that that's what i was thinking it's like the big lebowski is like where i where i heard it so much um god it's a i I just watched that on the flight back from from nola and uh so good and had had definitely had a laugh um that's the ultimate chill vibe dude watching the big lebowski on the on an airplane especially if it's back from that's incredible Um, an Airbus A220 as well. Nice, nice plane. Nice little, uh, nice little mid mid ranger. I love um, those. I love those Airbuses, man. Some of my best flying memories come from those little mid sized Airbuses. Yeah, um, they make. Uh, it's, I think the engine just makes the funniest sound when it's starting because it's like, and then it just like gets going full speed. It's it's good. I. I, I hate the slow 737ification of the future. Um, I hate how many fucking 737s I have to take. I'm so fucking tired of them. Anytime I I'm get not, it, other than that, I'm like stoked. I'm very Delta build, so I'm only ever on like, well, and I I mostly only do short or mid-range flights, so I'm just like, it's always an Airbus or a, uh, or a CRJ 900, um, yeah. which is, which is just like the, absolute narrowest plane it's just the it's just the seven train of planes yeah i mean it's the, it's it's narrow it's narrow much like its namesake carly ray jepson right uh, so <laughs> the, the conversation around the shrink ray is is like the perfect uh it's like the distillation and the perfection of comedic ping pong that makes this show great it's like the most <laughs> it's the most fucking distilled version of it i've seen yet uh yeah the specific quotes came out too quickly for me to get them besides like the first like make my johnson bigger but um a lot of ping pong yeah yeah um i i I did love uh meet lot wanting to when when they're when they're in uh when carl and um and fucking uh uh frylock are in shake's brain which eventually happens uh and they're and they're and meatloaf is like yeah a little bit bigger or oh, a little bit bigger a little bit bigger it just keeps yeah. sitting like, just like i fucking love that um yeah, was, it, i think that was that was the hardest i was laughing was like just 
like something about like meatwad just wanting to be like a little bit bigger it's just like the funniest thing to me it yeah, taps into like jim bro culture or something to me um but in a in a really in a really kind of sweet way like uh that that'll that only meatwad can pull off yeah i mean meatwad is just is the ultimate 12 year old kid right like and, yeah. and so everything that he says and does sort of reflects that uh yeah i i um love it i there's some really great meatwad quotes in this one too like uh frylock said poop in here <laughs> it was like one of the most unhinged <laughs> shit like what the fuck <laughs> uh, that, i completely that forgot about that happening yeah. yeah i was like what the fuck is my like is my am i having a stroke like this seems like a fever dream uh just the way the conversation goes off the rail at at points um uh i like the fry, the, the the attitude that frylock cops is becoming like increasingly fine-tuned like there are even some moments in this episode where he like gets a little bit of carl vibes um which is fun just like uh and maybe the 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 part about the episode that hit my funny bone the hardest which was the tiny voices yeah yeah (laughs) um especially the tiny carl voice for whatever reason just just killed me um, Tiny Carl voice was great because it still had like the correct like locution or whatever, but it was just a higher pitch, um, and that was that was making me fucking laugh. Um, like like they very clearly just used the actor and and said the lines and then fucking pitched it up, which yeah. which rocks. Yeah, that it does rock. It's it's the the old thing of what they did uh, in subtle ways with Clay Croker's voice on. Uh, Space Ghost enabling him to do both Moltar and Zorak. Speaking of of voices, um, I don't know if this was just like a a one-off or something, but it sounded like uh, Frylock was played by a different character at the beginning of the, or played by a different voice actor at the beginning of the episode. But I I might have just been like, I might have just been making that up. I don't know. It sounded so weird to me though. I'm a bad, I'm a bad researcher. And so I didn't actually look at the wiki about that. Uh, because this is a half-ass, no, it's not a half-ass podcast. I'm not going to shit on us like that. We talk about a really a lot of really important stuff, but we are just an aqua teen pod, or we're a fucking cultural criticism pod LARPing as an aqua teen pod. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we'd be like every other fucking podcast if we dove deep into the fucking wiki lore about every episode, guys. So take what you, take what we'll give you. Uh, one of the best jokes in the fucking show yet comes at the end this is like really classic like marx brothers style fucking humor of like uh he's enhancing himself is he learning a second language (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is talking about making his pecker bigger with the with the ray and uh it's the funniest fucking it's i it's the hardest i've laughed at anything besides billywitchdoctor.com on the show yeah that was uh, uh yeah that was fucking well done i i agree that's like it's like classic uh like like he'd study that in a in in, in humor school um yes. this is just very very like the, the the schema of that it's just it's just brilliant and and the and for to, to play us out here before we get into like bigger cultural stuff uh carl saying okay mr moral <laughs> killed me for whatever reason like i'm gonna start cut when somebody's questioning me about stuff i'm gonna start saying that like calling people mr moral is in- incredible 
Uh, I feel like that was a big thing uh, in real life at this time was like accusing people of moralizing when they didn't agree with you. <laughs> it's, uh, but uh, I, I do think that like, I don't know, there isn't quite as much like macro cultural jazz to play with this uh, episode as there like no. sometimes because it's just, it's more like a, it's more of like a focused theme. Uh, but I, I will say that it's like, it is, it does bring us back to, you know, like something that we talk about pretty consistently, uh, especially in the context of like the current day boring dystopia, which is like, there's this constant tension between like when a, when a technology gets developed, uh, using it for, you know, serious and meaningful things. And, and then just like going the amusement or easy money route of using the technology for things that are fucking, uh, you know, absolutely, absolutely fucking stupid. Uh, right, right. And we're always NF- going- NFTs are just putting the 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 the, the, sh- the shrink or expander ray on your Johnson. Yes. Um. <laughs> Holy shit, that's perfect. Um, and and that's a perfect segue uh, into. Listen, we've all heard. Anybody with a pulse has heard about FTX. Um, but every every good investor knows that when a trench in the market opens up and things really go tits up, you gotta buy that dip, brother. And that's why um, starting on Black Friday, which is incidentally today when this episode drops, <laughs> we are going to be uh, minting uh, meat coin, um, and you can get get one because i clearly know how because i clearly know how cryptocurrency works get you get one coin can, on a rolling stone one. app you and, can get, uh, open up your rolling stone app and get one meat coin uh for free with the code uh meat coin hodl <laughs> so if you uh if you uh if you like order now uh and if on um, thursday night football uh jj meat man watts um, i don't even know if he's playing football <laughs> i also like called him watts watts jj watts yeah JJ dude, watts. i like bernie sander uh jj watts <laughs> keith richard uh gosh. okay no the promotion is if if, uh, if if any tight end uh 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 scores two touchdowns on thursday night football you get uh you get you actually get double the amount of meat coin um which is just gonna be sick love that this is the year of the tight end uh <laughs> shout out to to uh to uh travis kelsey and uh and uh and the uh, kittle over at uh over, over with those 49ers uh, with those these these san francisco 49ers <laughs> i like uh I, I really, really like tight ends. It's my we we've 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 known we've long known that it's our favorite position. Absolutely, um, in the football Absolutely. game. Um, I love I love I love like uh, the idea that like you're not small enough and fast enough to be a wide receiver, and you're not big enough to be on the O line, so you just do both, and that's that's called economy, baby. Yep, that's called economy. It's, it's that's that's just uh, that is economy of position. Um, it's efficiency. Uh, also. The random thought that I had while I was watching this, I realized that the first actual application um, of Hyperloop technology is going to be like Uber, Uber Uber Eats is going to like. Oh, fuck yeah. 
that's it. <laughs> like that's that's gonna, gonna factor into a fake ad read at some point in the line for sure. Um, let's do a little uh, before we take off. Let's do a little culture corner. Hell yeah. Um, well, well, first uh, I just want to say whenever I hear about FTX I, I, or whatever the fuck it's called, FTX. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think about that band uh, Phoenix TX. Uh, that that was uh, uh, probably playing around 2004. They had already ended their flop era by that point. Yeah, we, we talked about them on Watch Me Pod because we did a drive through records episode a couple months ago. Um, yeah, yeah, they uh, I, they don't really stand out to me, but I, I do remember them being on like some comps that I used to pick up back in the day. So, so shout out to shout out to FTX, aka Phoenix DX. Um, just gonna imagine that that that's the uh, crypto broker exchange that they started. Um, I think you're right. All right, we'll hit a hit a quick uh, culture corner here. So, uh, if you were alive uh, during this point in time, two thousand four, uh, probably regardless of age, you were hearing certainly hearing uh, the number one, the, the Billboard Hot one hundred number one tune, which was uh, Usher, Lil John, and Ludacris's "Yeah." Uh, oh fuck! Which like was was it was like it was like supremacy this year it was like 28 weeks at number one um and yeah that what a what a uh it's weird i still fucking hear that tune like Same. everywhere it's, it's like, like that that has had i think way like possibly the most staying power besides maybe hey uh, by outcast of anything from this era in terms of like, yeah like hot top like top 40 stuff yeah it was really like it was like a very interesting I think like shift into just that that extremely like extremely extremely simplified beat that had like I mean it's very memorable but also like really nothing going on and and but I think it was smart because it just gives like so much room for for Usher to uh to like do do cool shit with his voice. I think it's actually like a a nicely put together tune in that sense. Um uh some other some other ones from around that time uh we had yeah like outcast was also up there um with with hey ya and uh i like the way you move uh-huh um there was like i don't know it was, it was a it was an interesting time this this was like just when uh kanye kanye west or yay formerly ye yay formerly known as kanye west the fucking uh shithead uh was just coming out before before he was a, a real a real guy um so this i I'm, i don't know what tune would have been would have been released at this point but um but it's something off of college dropout certainly uh and yeah so uh number one movie uh supremacy was was uh it was, it was shrek 2 and fucking god such a such a classic uh but this was also the year of mean girls and kill bill volume two which both were both were fantastic movies that have that have definitely held on mean girls Um, there's such like oh yeah so good there there is such a an absolutely listen it's faded off into the distance because of you know but Gen Z bisexual girl culture, which I think is, you know, based on, uh, 
you know, whatever it's based on, but fucking millennial bisexual girl culture has its roots firmly planted in Mean Girls. So, shout out to that. Good shit, man. Um, uh, another TV show that we'll do a podcast about at some point uh, ended in May 2004. That, of course, was the classic uh, uh, Frasier following uh, Frasier Crane, uh, which is the first show about a, a, a crane that uh, is building skyscrapers in Seattle. Um some other shit uh, here. Uh, this was when Abu Garab uh-huh. was fucking all in the news. That was that was a that was a real bad time. That was an awful time. That yeah. that Abu Ghraib was low key. Like Abu Ghraib and Gitmo were low key. Like the like such key moments in, in like our generation collectively losing our innocence. Uh, like way less prominent than nine eleven, but like it's part of the general macro of very scary shit that is hard to even comprehend. I think right now in the current day, how yeah. scary things actually were in the early two thousands. Um, that was a fucking weird time, man. I, I, I remember just having the, like, like I still now I'm just like, Oh Jesus. Like the, that, like just the callousness of people when they're in, when they're in certain you know, position to power was is a scary thing to witness. Because um, I don't really think we had had anything quite. Like, we, I, I don't know of any torture scandals in our lives up to that point. Um, surely there, there, there were, but you know, this one was very much in the news. Um, uh, yeah, and last on, on a, I think a much, uh, much nicer note. Uh, this was also the uh, month that. May 2004, uh, month that uh, same-sex marriage was legalized in Massachusetts, uh, and love that. Um, but yeah, it's like very funny to think that like that was what 18 years ago, yeah. and like, and, and how much that has just absolutely shifted. Like, yeah, unbelievable. Like the the biggest like shift of of. I think of our lifetimes hands down, but yeah, the, it's easy to, it's easy to discount. It's easy to use the doom and gloom of the current day to discount the overall linear upward progress of humanity. But it's important to remember that like so many things have gotten better and so many things are continue going to continue to get better regardless of people's efforts to, you know, debase things, right. Regardless of what kind of corner of culture you're in, like you're getting wins. You just have to look for them. And that's a rare, that's a rare uh, optimistic thing you're going to hear on this podcast because we're mostly devoted to extreme pessimism about the cultural macro. So, <laughs> hey, thank you for joining us. Thanks, thanks, uh, uh, David Letterman, Burner account, for, for jumping on today. Hell yeah. Appreciate it and uh, much love. We'll uh, see you in the next life. Peace.